Gaming on the Frontier. Trav. And this is Jonathan. Yeah. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where when someone asks you, hey, would you like to talk about God? And you just look at them and smile and go, which one? Or if you want to ask them, hey, you want to come on and talk about your God with other people? And they all say no. Thank you. I have secret information that only a thousand people know about, and they all paid a thousand dollars to find out. Oh, this is what I get for saying we're running this episode, folks. Okay, welcome <laughs> to Gaming on the Frontier. And tonight we are talking, this is a subject I wanted to do probably a couple years ago, and I wanted to have a bunch of SMEs, subject matter experts on it, my friends that were all of the pagan persuasion, and due to the pandemic and other things, and I wanted to have, you know, people full of, you know, in the living room and on Skype, and it hasn't worked out because of the pandemic. So we three are fielding this tonight. It is making and playing pagan characters. Now, we're, we're going to set some parameters here because the term pagan is a very broad term. And we're going to try to also adapt this to Bureau 13, Fringeworthy, and the other Tritech games if we can, especially Bureau 13, because religion does seem to play a, a pretty big part in the background of Bureau 13 with everything from... Oh, the old gods are here, the forgotten gods, or you have a combat cleric and he's an Irish Catholic priest. So yeah, religion does play a decent factor in Bureau 13. And so usually, and from what I've seen of all the stuff of Bureau 13 and other games, when it, it's usually the, you know, the Abrahamic Judeo-Christian faiths, which would be Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. So it's what what's known as the Judeo-Christian belief system. And so there are tons of opportunities for role-playing with characters not of those faiths. And there is a broad spectrum. I mean, we have the various pagan faiths, which, oh, geez, between Gardnerian, Wicca, Strega, um, Asatru, which is the new form of the Norse religion. Uh, and forgive me, I'm using names for these that I've heard and that were used in supplements I will talk about later. The Eleusinian Covenant, which is sort of like the new version of the Greek mythos. Um, the Dianic Rite, which is another version of the of the, the Greek pantheon. So yeah, there are, and then of course, you know, there's Shintoism and Buddhism and Taoism, uh, Hinduism. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I mean, you could even bring in, you know, tribal fates and the dream time and the various forms of voodoo, which is not just from Haiti, you know, there, there's, I think three or four different types of voodoo that have voodoo and hoodoo and (laughs) other things, the voodoo that you do so well. Yes. We're going to do do the old Harvey Corman line here. Right. But, um, but, you know, when you mentioned tribal, I mean, there's a lot of, yes. um, uh, of 
what we, we refer to as Native Americans who are trying very hard to uh, maintain, you know, and pro and and propagate their religions that have been around oh, yes. for you know tens of thousands of years. So they uh, you, sh you shouldn't consider them to be a fringe element. It just is they don't have the numbers that some of the other ones do. Yeah, they're oh, not, they're oh, yeah, not in any way a dead faith is what I'm trying to say. No, 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 no. It, it, it's just that that let, let's face it, we're all at least uh, the majority of us. Here in the United States, we are raised with the Judeo-Christian background. And so that's what basically we get all drummed into us, unless you were born directly into another faith. If you come from a Jewish family or Native American or your 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 uh, parents and grandparents are from different countries, so they'll bring that. But usually I was raised Catholic, well, Roman Catholic, we'll say, fine. And I have been through a lot of faiths and philosophies in my five decades. Hell, I was a Scientologist for a year and a half until the money ran out. So I've run the game <laughs> and just, yeah. Oh, I'm still getting the mail today and I've moved twice. Um, Ooh, they find yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I want to explore this different aspect of role-playing a character in which faith and religion and spirituality are at the core of the character. Right. It matters. It isn't, oh, yes. it, isn't win, it isn't window dressing for that character. Oh, no, it is everything that they are because some of these characters, that's how they gain the ability to do things that normal mortal men and women cannot. Right, but I'm just I saying think. is that for a lot of characters, um, you know, whether it be D&D &D or other things like that or Bureau 13, these are matters of window dressing. These are like backstory. This is, you know, this says something about your character, but it doesn't, but does it drive their behavior? That's the important thing. Okay. To, um, me, to me, at least. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, well, I mean, your iconic Bureau 13 character, Bruce, Father Gill. Mm -hmm. We'll use that as an example. Catholic pre, uh, uh, let, let's see, I'm trying to remember here. <laughs> oh, Presbyterian. Oh, I, oh, okay. Uh, wanted to get into boxing, but couldn't go to the distance because of a low con, so we found his calling and is now a man of the cloth. He so, yes, also he I, also saw that the uh the guy who beat him in his last fight got his contract has had run out and a demon ate him. Oh. And okay, so he's like, how... "Okay, it's time for me to change my ring of fighting from the square ring to the spiritual ring." Okay. See, a little bit more I didn't know about Father Gilder. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah, that's, um, that's how he basically, I mean, it, and the thing is that the Bureau didn't know about him then. He went into, yeah, he, uh, he went into the, you know, uh, into, you know, the, the to get a degree in, in that. And, you know, he kind of kept his experiences close to his chest. Okay. But, you know, and then when he got into seminary, he found out that uh, Presbyterians aren't that big on demon hunting and killing. <laughs> So yeah. he was just kind of like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a problem with this. And so he had, he basically had to start doing it on the sly, so to speak. Okay. You know, because it, it's, you know, knowing that your priest is, uh, or your minister is, you know, spending his nights and weekends, you know, running around looking for, you know, people making deals with the devil, uh, might make you think twice about, you know, whether you, that's the right right man of the cloth for you. So he kind of kept on a QT and that's how he basically ran into the Bureau because he was looking for stuff and they were looking for stuff and they kind of met up. Okay. All 
All right. And, you know, and when they said, well, I, I, you should join the Bureau, he was like, well, fine, but I have these other obligations. I want to be able to keep doing them. And they said, well, okay, that's fine. You know, you get leave. You know, it's you're not always going to be on the job. So, but you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to just, you know, you're going to have to adjust your work avocation ratios. And he said, yeah. I, I can do that, especially after I get trained properly on how to effectively fight demons. And he was like, and I said, yeah, we can do that. So we, they, he basically, you know, you know, came to a meeting of minds. Okay. All right. And that's how he got so, into it. Okay. So the, the first thing that I wanted to touch on is that, okay, Bureau 13, the last incarnation was OGL D20 and Pathfinder 1E is the latest incarnation of that mechanic. And there are actually classes that would fit playing a pagan character. The most obvious one, obviously, out of the base classes is, well, the druid. And, you yeah. you know, they, they, you speak druidic, they have the nature powers, the spells, they have wild shape, and their faith is a matter of worshipping nature in all its aspects. Animal, plant, weather, you know. Remember, the druids were, like, massively into astronomy and science, and, you know, it's been purported that Stonehenge was supposed to be some type of observatory of some type. So, yeah, they they were all about just the world around them, and they drew power from that. And of course, you know they were persecuted. You know, you know after a while. And I I was always told that the, the Christians long long time ago they co opted all of the various higher beings of the pagan faiths, and that's why you have like Saint Bridget. Well, I heard she was once Brige, and so yeah, they did that to try to get you know people in. You know, it's like yeah, okay, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll incorporate your stuff. Yeah, that way then you can still worship them. You know, it's just the hierarchy is a little different now, and it's like okay, yeah. And so the druid, you know, that's the first thing I think of is as a pagan character. And obviously with the more classes that Pathfinder First Edition came up with, oh gosh, let's see now. You got the Oracle and the Witch, which they both could be considered. Well, because the Oracle, the first thing I think of when I hear Oracle is the Oracle at Delphi in Greek mythology. Yeah. And which is, well, which in the Pathfinder 1E connotation would be, you have an animal familiar of some type, a cat, a crow, what have you, and they are the source of your power. Basically, communing with them is like a wizard reading their spell book. And we also have uh, the shaman from the hybrid class of the advanced cat class guide. You have the shaman, which is a mixture of an oracle and a witch. That's how they hybridize that and then the skald s-k-a-l-d which is kind of like a viking storyteller and musician and that's the mix of the barbarian and the bard so i mean those five classes in pathfinder are very good beginning examples of okay these are pagan characters you would use them to play a character of a faith not of the Abrahamic variety. And I remember in, you know, when they, they named it Oriental Adventures back for, I think, second, ed no, they had in third edition. It's just they used Rokugan as the, the Legend of the Five Rings uh, setting for Oriental Adventures for three, uh, D&D 3E, the Shujenja, which was like a cleric, but they, they dealt more with spirits and everything. So there's another example of a quote-unquote pagan character. I'm using pagan as an all-inclusive term. I mean, it, it's, I mean, I could use non-Abrahamic. I'm not, as I said, the first thing right off the bat with this episode, we are not <clears throat> defecating on anybody's choice of religion. 
whether what you play or how you practice. We are not doing that. We are just offering different options. Right. We're not experts on every religion out there because there's an awful lot of them. Oh, yes. Yes. A lot. And even then, how people practice and believe differs from person to person. Religion is a, and spirituality are both personal choices based on various levels of nurture. Usually you are raised to follow a certain religion or during matters of crisis, you come upon a faith that answers the questions you have about life in the universe. So, right. Well, there's, there's, if, if I may reduce it down to, you know, to the absurd level, there are really three paths. Okay. There is the, you have a religion, but you're not that big on it. Okay, you just it's just part of your cultural background or whatever, and you may have some things you'd like to do, like people like to celebrate Christmas. Uh, you know, even people from you know other countries that they'll have that as as their original tradition, uh, like Japan. Uh, they like doing it, but it's you know the religion itself is not that big of a deal for them. Okay, then you have the people who basically follow the religion, but it's basically like a career for them. Uh, historically, um, in uh, Russia, uh, the firstborn got, you know, inherited the land. The secondborn went into the military. The thirdborn became a priest. And we're talking males here, okay, because unfortunately, women were primarily just married off. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, you know, it, uh, you might, if, if you were well off enough, you know, or, or connected, someone might buy you a judgeship somewhere or something like that. Make, you know, a, a, a job in the government somewhere doing some kind of something. But those are the three things. And so the people that were, uh, that went into, you know, the priesthood, it didn't matter whether they believed or not, they were doing, they were, they had, a job to do, you know, they, yeah. they were expected to learn it. They were expected to perform the rituals. They were expected to, you know, to speak the, the uh, canon eloquently and, and uh, write good sermons. You know, they were expected to perform their duties, you know, uh, faithfully, if I may use that term. And then there's the third category, which are people who really care about their religion. And, you know, they, they'll do it whether they have a benefit, they see a benefit from it or not, because to them, it's reality. It's, you know, it's the, it's the reality in which they live. They've internalized it, and now they're externalizing it through their behavior. So, As you would call it, to them, it's the God's honest truth, as they would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So we have, you know, so that's a reductionist point of view. But there's three three different ways that this could go. And your character can, can, be, a, can be of any of these things. And they can even have a combination. Because one of the big problems with Judaism, historically, was the fact is that they had this very strong set of beliefs and, and, and faith and and strictures and things like that, Ten Commandments, the 600 laws that are part of, you know, uh, the the oh uh, the law. I can't, I can't, uh, there's a better term for it. Uh, and then every time they moved in a new area, it's like, you know, they get married to somebody who wasn't Jewish. You're like, well, I'm, it's okay for me to have my, my family's God here, right? I got this little going to have this little shrine over here. It's not going to take up any room. And just I'm just doing it for tradition's sake and stuff like that. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're reading about how, you know, God's bringing, you know, uh, you know, uh, bringing another uh, group from outside to punish these faithless Jews. So, you know, not that they're all that way. I'm just saying is it, but that seems to be the narrative that, you know, 
that it's not uncommon for religions to coexist and and ebb and flow with uh, you know as as history moves on, depending upon what goes on, you know. Well, yeah, history. You know, the religions like a lot of other things, they have to change or they they, they stagnate and die. And that, that that's how it is with many things. That's, you know, with fandoms and everything. Beliefs, anything that involves any type of belief system has to change and adapt and grow or it will stagnate and go away. And so, yeah, no, what Bruce said there was a perfect example of the religion changing to fit a certain factor, like a new group coming in or something changing. And and so, yeah, it, uh, that's what we're looking for here. It just, you would, yeah, assimilation. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And either they are assimilated into a new religion, like I mentioned earlier, many of the pagan gods were co-opted by the Christian church to get more people in, or a certain faith, they'll meld them in nicely. They're not going to do it forcibly to try to get an end result. It'll just be like, oh, you're you're a matter of this faith. That's like our of this. Faith. Oh, OK. Yeah. The similarity there, you know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they, they, they would take over other religions' holidays to co-opt it, to basically say, you know, just, you know, that's like all the people that say, we're going to have a harvest festival in, because we don't want you to be celebrating Halloween, which is, in their minds, part of San, uh, Sondheim and therefore, you know... Sawin. 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 So some, Sawin. some pagan religion, as they would put it, some heathen faith that they don't want, you know, their kids <laughs> to participate in. So... Yeah. Or themselves, you know, so... Oh, no, no, trust me. That's one of the things that got drummed into me with all the people, the very dear people in my life who are pagan. It's spelled Sam Hain. It's pronounced Sawin. Yeah. It's, oh, no, I got that drummed into me. <laughs> like no that's not how it's not yeah. fanatic and, and okay. i i'm that sad person who a lot of words <laughs> i've only read so yeah yeah <laughs> and i'm i'm trying and believe me when every time we get over to the uh uh to the to the polish words i'm like come on give you a break <laughs> dude i'm polish and i have a problem with some of them what are you talking about <laughs> i know see and i don't have your um yeah, advantage yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't have the home court yeah, advantage that you do. Yeah, that there. Yeah, there are times I can still and my I, I love my great aunt Kate, but there are times that just yeah I didn't listen to her and it shows and I can hear that her just doing barrel rolls in her grave now. Love you, Kate. Okay. Um. Now, as you all know, I got the folders upon folders. Bruce has seen them. I'm sure it still scarred him a little. So that I have amassed more than a few hard and soft copies of various D20, D20 Modern, 3.0, 3.5, Pathfinder 1E, PDFs and books that have to do with religion. And matter of fact, I actually found one, and, and like Foxworthy says, if I'm lying, I'm dying, Stats for Jesus, six different versions, including the Unitarian version. I'm like, wait, Unitarian version of Jesus? Wait a minute, huh, what? You know? But yeah, it's like I, I was like, okay, sure, I'll get this. Yeah. But yeah, they they've a lot of people have put out a lot of stuff for um various real world pantheons. Now, of course, the one we all know, if you've been tabletop gaming over the past forty years, it's from D D. Deities and Demigods, where in the first edition it had the, you know, black and white drawings by I believe Errol Otis was the artist from that. Well, there and were you a bunch. had 
Yeah, but I do remember Errol Otis's art in it. And you had a lot of Native American, you had Greek, and of course they redid it in 3.0 D&D. And they had, I believe it was Greek, Norse, Egyptian, Greek, Norse, Egyptian, I think there was one other. And then of course they had all the, the, the demi-human pantheons, dwarf, elf, gnome, what have you. Okay, with Pathfinder, there is a book out by Dragon Wing Games called Lore of the Gods. And it is it, it, it is available on the Open Gaming Store, which is where the Pathfinder SRD site is from. And they deal with Egyptian, Greek, Mesopotamian, and Norse pantheons. And I mean, they give you stats for things like, oh, a golem, like the, 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 or no, what was it? Oh, and I have, you know, hard copy here. Uh, let's see, some of the things just for, like, creatures to fight. Oh, heck, they, they give you stats for Heracles, Gilgamesh, you know, cano- a canopic jar they list as a tiny undead. Oh, uh, let's see. What okay, other... Now I'm just picturing this tiny little urn just hopping along the ground. Yeah, bopping up against you, doing one point mm-hmm. of damage. Bubo, the clockwork owl of Athena. Those of you who remember oh, right. Clash of the Titans and yes. the little, you know, Harry Hamlin, that one. You know, let's see. What other? The Olympian Cyclops. Oh, they do have golems. Funerary golems, stone, stone funerary golems. The Fenris wolf from Norse mythology, which I believe was child of Loki, I believe. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So was a number of other things. Loki, oh, no, but... They, uh, Loki basically yeah. had sex with lots of things and produced lots of monster babies. Well, a lot of well, a Loki lot of could gods be lots of things, were yeah. a lot of the gods were we will say this pansexual or omnisexual if we use the Captain Jack term. And so yeah, that that yeah, it, yeah, just you kind of look and again, huh, wait, huh, they got uh, around. Yeah, Hugin and Munin, the two crows that Odin had with him. I mean, so the the oh, ravens, I'm sorry about that. Not crows, ravens. There is a difference. And so Schleichner, Odin's steed, the eight-legged horse. So, I mean, Lore of the Gods is probably, and, and, and from what I see it, because they even bring in a new version of the divine rank system that 3035 had, and you have avatars. I mean, the gods you can't kill. An avatar is what it sends to fight you. A god is a god. You're not. It's the whole thing. If you can't stat it, if you don't stat it, you can't kill it. You know that old that old maxim in, in tabletop. But Makes I sense. see lore of the gods. Yeah, I see lore of the gods as a reimagining of the deities and demigods book. Because in Pathfinder, yeah, they gave you the gods, but they did not make stats for them at all. I have looked. In the Galarian setting, yeah, you have the domains, you have their portfolios, you have their favorite weapon. There are no stats for any of these gods that I know of. So they weren't going to, you know, reinvent the wheel. So Dragon Wing, uh, yeah, Dragon Wing Games decided to reimagine the Deities and Demigods book, where you get to choose from those four mythologies to help shape your character because we know that if you're a forgotten realms fan the egyptian mythos are there that's the mulharandi pantheon it's basically the egyptian gods were there yeah they got like pulled in from earth yeah so you have a chance right there to play a high priest in Egypt, in the Forgotten Realms. And Bruce, you ran that Forgotten Realms campaign that, you know, we talked about here on the, the podcast years ago. And I do believe your party went, 
they they dealt with Mulhorand, I think. I can't remember now. <laughs> oh yeah. We we have we have had a lot of adventures since then. Yeah. They're, they're long but that enough, was fringeworthy. Yeah. But yes. Okay, yeah. But but still in the Forgotten Realms setting, you can play the straight up Egyptian pantheon and be a follower of said pantheon. You could be a priest of Ra, or you could, you know, be a cultist of Set, or and there are stats for cultists of Set in Lore of the Gods here. So that was one way that you could help shape a character of a non-Abrahamic faith. Now, the other setting that I use and I recommend, <clears throat> how can we put this? This is, a good, this is a good time to separate art from the artist. If you know of Chris A. Field and Scorched Earth Games and the one game he tried putting out a few years ago that caught serious backlash because of the blurb he put out on it. It was for his Black Tokyo setting. And if I wanted to talk about it, I would have to ask our younger viewers to step away for a bit. But Neil's to say, yeah, separate art from the artist. Yeah, he just caught a lot of grief for how he presented that as a module a scenario for the Black, which is a hentai setting. So, you know, right there, it's a, a mature setting. But his other setting was called Otherverse America. And I've mentioned this before and I recommend it because it's just a, it's, it's a decent insight into the various quote unquote pagan religions. Uh, the setting, it's far future, 2107. America's had their second civil war over abortion rights, the choicers against pro-lifers and the choicers won. So this setting allowed, and he did it a second edition. was the choicers versus the birthers? No, no, lifers, like pro-life versus pro-choice. Yeah. And he he, he he did say he wanted to have that be his stared away to heaven, his magnum opus, what he'd be remembered for. Yeah. Who? How'd it work out for you? Yeah, how'd it work <laughs> out for you, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> when they say there's no such thing as bad press, yeah, right. Yeah, there's um, definitely bad press. Yeah, but so what Chris did was you can play, and granted, this is far future, so there are some things that if you'd have to have a reasonably high level of future technology to do most of these, but you could sit there and play someone who practices the Greek religion, either the Eleusinian, El Eleusinian Covenant or the Dianic Rite, Asatru, the new version of the Norse religion, Strega's Path, which is Italian in origin, so I think it might be like the Roman pantheon in a way. Um, Gardnerian Wicca, basically British Wiccan base. Oh, what else was there? I can actually bring this up now. I have the PDF Culture of Choice, which, as I said, Chris Field before Scorched Earth Studios went under, which I'm sure that that major gaffe that um, journalist, online journalist Jessica Price brought to all of our attention about how he debuted this new module. Between that and the pandemic, the company went under. So, But yeah, uh, he updated most of his stuff for use with Pathfinder and Ultimate Psionics. So let me see the six. Oh, heck, you could play the Egyptian faith. And they have it under the Bastion. So you could sit there and have a character that, due to their faith, could turn into like a felinoid warrior. 
So yeah, despite what you may have heard about Scorch, or I do recommend this for characters of non-Abrahamic faith. Well, I mean, they even have stuff for Abrahamic faith. So that would be the Weapons of Life. Yeah, Weapons for Life, which you're playing in this setting everything from a Baptist minister to a, a Roman Catholic priest to, I believe you could even convert it to uh, Judaism. And and yeah, they, they I mean, Chris styled himself a pagan, so obviously there was, he, he leaned more as the choicers, the, the pagans being the heroes. And he did cast a lot of times the lifers as the villains. But they gives give options. If you want to play, you know, a lifer as a heroic, yeah, then you can do so. But we kind of knew what way his his leanings were. But yeah, the culture of choice, as I said, they have Isatru, Bastrians, Dynak Rite, Eleusinian Mystery, called Garnerian Lineage, Lineage, and Stragus Path. And the, they get pretty deep into feats that you can do that will give you certain abilities or allow you to do certain things. Traits, which they're kind of like mini feats. They were introduced to the advanced players guide. And it's like, oh yeah, traits like, let's see for Pathfinder, there'd be one like a uh, student of the green, which helps you with knowledge, nature, and survival. There, there's an original list of traits on the PDF, the, the PF SRD site and the advanced players guide for Pathfinder first edition. And you usually get to pick two, like one of faith and one of social, or one of racial and one of uh, story, if you're playing in one of the adventure paths in Pathfinder. But yeah, a lot of the traits and feats for other Verse America's PDFs, they could be used in a modern game. You could use them in a Bureau 13 game for, let's say, for example, okay, for our religious expert on, on this, this on-the-road team, you don't have a Catholic priest. You have a Wiccan high priestess. I happen to know one, so I'm, I'm going to use her as an example. She would have certain feats and traits, which, I mean, you could play a druid. You might have to switch out some archetypes to do it, but not all pagans are druidic. That's the thing. Making a, a pagan character, it would probably be very good to study that particular faith and see what their tenets are see how their how their their basic belief system is what they will do and not do what is important to them what days are important to them holidays uh how they regard certain events and let's see i'm trying to see that there's something else here real quick um but yeah those are the two oh and there was a wiccan there was actually you could play a wiccan high priestess it was made for 3.0 and if i can remember It's like, okay, wasn't there. And I'm getting the same thing on both my sides. Darn it. Um, and it's the old D20 modern version of the Eleusinian Covenant from Scorched Earth. But there was a small 3.0 company where you could play, and it was more for D20 modern, but you could play a Wiccan priest or priestess. And it was like maybe 10-page PDF, but they're out there. I mean, remember, 3.0, and D20 modern are all interchangeable with Pathfinder first edition. So if you want to add this to your Brewer 13 OGL game, because that used the D20 modern mechanic, you could. And uh, let's see, I'm trying to recall there was something else and I'm blanking. 
Um, Jonathan, you have, you had mentioned you have some pagan friends of your acquaintances, insights as far as anything you might have picked up from them? Uh, not much. Uh, as, as I said, uh, I, I think as we said earlier, you know, some of the things you don't talk about with friends, if you want to keep them as friends, is politics and religion. Yeah, yeah. But um, though the only thing I, the only insight I've gotten is the. Uh... Nope, yep, it's gone. Yeah, I have no insights. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's, it's... that's the whole thing. Is there anything else you would like to share with the rest of the class? Yeah, it's like uh, I've got like... nothing. Like my my Wiccan friend, whenever I uh, want to do like uh, like game design based around or, or adventure design or story design around, you know, uh, modern like magic and and stuff like that, I'll I'll, I'll like go to her as like a, a subject expert. But yeah, we there's not usually much discussion of her actual practices and and beliefs or anything like that. Oh, here's another one that I uh, that I I don't have it, but I have it here. It's from Storm Bunny Studios, and I believe it is for Pathfinder One E. Yes, uh, Bloodlines and Black Magic. It's more from what I'm seeing. It's it's very Bureau Thirteen esque variant oh, Occult Seven shortened to O Seven. It's a variant rule system based on the Pathfinder role playing game. Okay, and. They only use the first seven levels, but it is still, let's see, magic is real, there are global elites, monsters walk the night, the power is in the blood, we are legion, the veil is real, and the archons have a mission. And your magic, it's seven different bloodlines, the fey-blooded, infernal-blooded, dragon-blooded, jinn-blooded, seraphic-blooded, shadow-blooded, and spirit-blooded. So that would be another good source, I am sure, if you wanted to bring a pagan non-Abrahamic character is that the stuff is out there. They, they ever since three Oh came out, remember once the open gaming license came out, every damn near everybody and their grandmother had, okay, no, this is how I want to play D and D. And a lot of it came from the pagan community where they just said, okay, no, I want to play this type of character. And then when D 20 modern came out, that's when the stuff like the one Wiccan OCC that came, and for the life of me, I'm blanking on who did it. I I have it. It's just buried. Um, but yeah, the main things I wanted to bring up were the Lore of the Gods by Dragonwing Games and Other Verse America from Scorched Earth Studios. Those, at least in my experience, you know, 30 years behind the GM screen, they've helped me the best on making non Abrahamic characters. As far as, okay, I want to play, you know, a Wiccan priestess, or I want to play someone who practices a Satru, which I know people, I know of people in real life who practice a Satru. And again, it's, it's basically the new version of the Norse religion. So they worship Odin Thor. They're the ones with the hammer necklaces around their neck. The, they, that, that is a Satru. And I'm probably, it, it could be, you know, that's how I pronounce it. I might be corrected on it later. But yeah, it it it's I've always seen that oh there's a bunch of stuff for bloodlines and black magic here. Wow. They even go into 5e here, so 
Yeah, looking here. Oh, yeah. See, when you talk about bloodlines and you start getting into, you scroll on, it looks into, oh, you're, you want to do the sorcerer class from, from, you know, Pathfinder Needy. No, no, that's not what we mean here. But yeah, uh, the pagan character, I see this as an excellent way of branching out and making you know, oh, yeah, we have a priest or a priestess, and yeah, as I said, those of us raised in the Judeo-Christian belief, when you hear, you know, the, the religious person in Bureau 13, 99% of the time we're going to think of, oh, they got an Irish Catholic priest on their team, and he's got a, well, what was it? I think John used to mention it back in the day. A silver-bound Bible that he could, you know, smack lycanthropes with, you know, and yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, it because we are raised in the Judeo-Christian belief system, most of us, or at least a decent number of us here in the United States, that kind of, it, it's not the default. And sadly, a lot of other non-Abrahamic religions, they're either put, depending on the writer, either as, oh, it's a cute curiosity, or sometimes they're brought up as a villainous source, or at least a source of problems for the Bureau to deal with. Right. So again, you know, the uh, reductionist three choices, uh, you know, most religions uh, can be broken into one or multiple of the, of, the, of the three things that characterize them. One is because of your faith or because of your relationship with some higher force, you have powers which allow you to do certain things, either like breathe, you know, cast fire, be invulnerable, um, you know, lightning, uh, cause people to decompose, things like that. Okay, that's, you know, raise people from the, you know, from the dead, you know, either alive or in some necromantic state. So you have powers, okay? The second one is you, uh, you have the ability to do rituals and when you, if you can complete those rituals properly, something happens. And it's not really a matter of faith. It's more a matter of you did the right thing with the right stuff at the right time, and it happens. Okay, a lot of Cthulhu-type uh, beliefs are along that lines. Um, and uh, I think also Egyptian had a lot of that, too. Uh, and, uh, and Shinto, uh, Shintoism has a lot of that because, you know, like, for example, when they're cleansing an area of evil spirits, okay, they have rituals that they go through. And at the end of which, since we, since if you're playing a religious character that's supposed to be, you know, have the power of their god behind them or gods, uh, then there's actually power there. It's not just, you know, window dressing. Uh, and then the third one is, it, it puts you in connection with other beings, people you can call on, whether it be devils or angels or spirits or uh, summoning uh, supernatural creatures of the uh, of the woods and uh, or the desert or wherever else. You know, flocks of uh, crows to uh, uh, ravens to basically peck out the eyes of your opponents. I mean, these, you know, you are put in connection with these kinds of things, and therefore, 
because of your faith, because of your relationship to your religion, these things are made available. Now, D&D is kind of like you get all three because usually you have some innate powers like turning undead and other things like that, you know, um, uh, area of um, uh, protection from evil um, stuff. Okay, you know, and then you have like the ability to cast spells, you know, and they even they have rituals. But uh, and it's and then um, if you're a paladin, you get to call upon your war horse, or if you're a uh, if you're a ranger, you get to call upon an animal companion, even though that's not really supposed to be a religious thing. Uh, so I'm they're, just saying, they're more, yeah, they're more long lines of the druid that they respect and rever the forces of nature, and that's where they get their abilities from. Right, and nature yeah. responds by giving them a helper. Yep, in support. Right. So I'm and just saying is that you know again it's reductionist, but you know those are like the three things I see as. Is, is how religions express themselves in a believer of that religion. And of course, I mean, there's, you know, lots of times there's going to be things you have to do in order to, uh, you know, either show your faith or get to the next level or to gain that secret knowledge and those words of power that are necessary for you to do some of these things. But religions all seem to share these kinds of, of, of uh, one of these three or multiple of these three options. At least that's my experience. Okay, I did find that Wiccan OCC PDF. I didn't, you know, Bruce was talking. Said, "Let me search. I know it's here somewhere." And it is from Ninety Three Game Studio, and it is called Arcane Classes Wicca. And they they even give the disclaimer: we are trying to you know present them positively and with respect. You know, you know they they wanted to make sure they didn't step on any toes. And they they talk about the threefold law, the holidays that Wiccans or they it says Wicca, sometimes called witchcraft, is a modern interpretation of the old religion of the indigenous peoples of northern Europe. Yeah. So I mean, this is the one with the mother goddess and her corn consort, the horned god, sometimes called the Lord and the Lady. The goddess is seen as primary and earth mother figure and often equated with the moon. The horned god, often depicted as a man with antlers, is representative of the forest creatures and the forces of decay and regeneration, of death and rebirth. We can see the divine in everything and everywhere, in humans, trees, animals, streams, rocks, everything as a divine spirit. That, to me, well, oh God, what's the term? Animism, I think is the term? I think, you, yeah. Animism yeah, yeah, yeah. is the worship of, of spirits. Yeah, and they see spirits in everything. They... The divine and everything, humans, trees, animals, streams, rocks, everything has a divine spirit. Yeah. And this, this, and it's 17 pages. I mean, I, I probably got it for like $3, if that. And it's a D20 modern advanced class. And they go, and they, they go through the holidays. They go through 13 principles of Wicca. The very, the, they even give you terminology, like what an athame is and bale fire and a, a basom, besom, basom. Again, I apologize to the, our Wiccan practitioners out there. I'm probably murdering some of these terms. A censor, what a coven is, a group of witches who come together to practice magic and celebrate the Sabbaths. The craft, sky-clad. <laughs> if you are pagan, you know what that means. Um, Most people know what that means. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And there are some isolated people out there who do not know. Yeah. Well, when a, when a, when a a, a, a rain cloud and a storm cloud love each other very much. Oh, jeez. 
Uh, oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, the Wiccan, the advanced class, it's a ten-level class, and they're basing it off D twenty Modern's magic system, which is it was kind of like D and D three hundred three five, but they diminished it a little. You only had up to fifth level spells. Well, that's because they only had ten levels, unless until you brought in, uh, which was by the way was not a limitation because then they would bring in uh, prestige classes on top of that, so you could get to twenty. Yeah, but they they yeah they only had up to fifth level spells, and they had basically what was it for arcane spells? It was the mage for divine spells. It was the acolyte, and then they had the occultist, which was like a, a yeah I use magic items. That's how I do my spells. I know how to activate wands and scrolls and rings. and But the Wiccan here, yeah, you get, let's see, the spells. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking here to see if it's more accurate. And they have summoned familiar and all that. So, yeah, it, it in a way, it had a smattering of both mage and acolyte. And you didn't have to be a mage or an acolyte in order to do it. Matter of fact, let's see. And I'll, I'll break this down for Pathfinder so you can use it. Craft writing, three ranks. Craft chemical, three ranks. Knowledge Arcana, three ranks. Knowledge Religion, three ranks. Heal, three ranks. And at the, the first level in the Wiccan, you must dedicate yourself to the positive energy of the universe. This choice adds the good positive allegiance to the character, which would mean alignment. You'd have to be lawful or neutral good or maybe chaotic good. And determine how the Wiccan uses certain aspects of her faith. Okay, and then you get a holy symbol. Yeah, you designate one of your personal possessions is a symbol of your dedication to your allegiance. Okay, D8 hit points per level. It's not bad. Six six plus int mod skill point. Yeah, this is a decent. It was a hardy class, and I mean, you got to yeah tenth level. You got your own coven. So I mean, hey, you know. Yeah, well, you had they had to condense everything because you only got ten levels. But well, I, they 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 had another five level high priestess prestige class. See, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying, <sighs> you know, and frankly, I liked the uh, D20 modern version, which is why I. Set you know, when we did uh, Bureau Thirteen and and uh, Fringeworthy, I said we're going to use this system because it made a lot more sense than the other you know the other versions of D twenty. You had base classes that were based on the attributes, and then everything else that would normally be considered a class in D and D or anything else that you're playing was an advanced class based yeah. on those things. And then you had prestige classes on top of that, which were very narrow focusing of an advanced class. So to me, it made a lot more sense than some of the other ones, where from the very get go you were starting off with, uh, you know, with I'm a thief or I'm a uh, uh, a, a, an assassin, or I'm a uh, uh, fighter, or something like that. You know, the uh, uh, I didn't. I, you know, I, I always thought that was kind of weird because then you ended up with the commoner, <laughs> you know, and you're like, well, yeah. where'd that come from? Well, a commoner would basically be somebody who had base classes, only base classes in uh, D20 Modern. Oh, they called them the ordinaries. Yeah, 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 yeah. ordinaries. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But they never were able to handle who are these people that made up the bulk of the, the zero level, you know, the zero level characters that made up the bulk of the people living in the world. So, you know, and they gave you high, medium and low level ordinaries to fight. Oh, this is your typical street thug. Okay. He's got one strong, one top level. Okay, fine. And you throw, you know, like six of them at your people, you know, and right. yeah. See, to me, that made a lot more sense than just saying, Hey, you've got like, you know, 20, thugs of zero level they got one to four hit points and uh you basically can you know a, a third level character can just cream them all 
Okay, yeah, they even have new feats. They have FX items, which were ma- magic items, like Cauldron Creation, Dragon's Tooth Boleen, the Egyptian Knot Bracelet, the Gardnerian Book of Shadows, and the Worry Stone. Yeah. And so they had all this stuff, and they even gave links about how to research further. So, you know, it, to to foster more of getting into, okay, what's more about, you know, this Wiccan class I could learn about? And, you know, so, yeah, this, this as I said, this was D20 Modern, but this is helpful because it gives you background on the 13 principles of Wicca that were adopted by the Council of American Witches in April 1974. So, I mean, this person, they did, uh, uh, who is it? Keith Taylor of 93 Game Studios, he did his research. And th- I mean, this is all the way back from 2005. As I said, this was for the D20 modern system. So, I mean, there's stuff out there t- to make, quote unquote, again, pagan characters for use in a Bureau 13 game, or you run across them in a fringe-worthy game. Or even if you're an incursion game, you could have, I mean, you may not be a spellcaster. I mean, if they have Psy in incursion, you could sit there and, you know, yeah, that's my magic. Yeah, I've, I've due to my faith, I've unlocked this, this, you know, I've unlocked the powers of my pineal gland in my brain, and I now can do this stuff. Or just simply looking at reality in a different way allows reality to act in a different way. Yeah. That's the basis, oh, no, that's... For, that's the basis for Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, it's, you know, the first thing you have to learn is that you're not made out of flesh and blood. You are 18 inches of pure thought. Wing wow, t- it has wing, been a long time since I've read that book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and they did various things, you know, like... Uh, yeah, and it was. I mean, the and I like. I really liked reading the book, but it, it very much was like, okay, by looking at the world differently, things are different. You know, some of it was a matter of technique, being able to fly faster and faster was a matter of learning how to position your body differently. But then there were other things where um, theoretically you could fly through rock. So you know, and and, and some versions of sigh you know, could be considered to be that way. You know, um, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, and, and, and when you start talking about things like chi and other things like that, it's the powers that come in some of these Eastern religions, the ability to be invisible, the ability to move without leaving any trace, the ability to, uh, you know, catch the wind and, uh, and, 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 and move, jump great distances or even fly. You know, these are all, they're, they're not considered to be, you know, I mean, really religious. It's really a matter of how you learn to apply your personal chi and integrate it with the chi of the world. Oh, yeah. And there are, there are classes that, for Pathfinder again, so you could adapt them to a Bureau 13 game, that use, well, they call it a key pool, but, you know, chi and key are often interchangeable terms. You have the monk. The monk has a key pool and it allows them to do, let's uh, just off the cuff here. At fourth level, the key strike allows our unarmed attacks to be treated as magic weapons. Seventh level, cold iron and silver. Lawful at 10th level, adamantine at 16th level. By spending one point from a key pool, make one additional attack, highest stack bonus when making flurry blows, increase their speed by 20 feet, or give themselves a plus four dodge bonus to AZ. So yeah, you, and then there, of course, I believe also the ninja class, which let's yeah, let me yeah, which is sort of a rework, an alternate class for the rogue, 
But they have a key pool, and they've got a lot more. Yeah, just yeah, and a lot. They have Ninja Tricks, which are powered by key. Also, there is, and this is a third-party thing for Pathfinder from Dreamscard Press, the same people who do Ultimate Psionics, basically the expanded Psy Handbook reworked. Path of War and Path of War Expanded. Now that those two are the Tome of Battle Book of Nine Swords from 3035 redone for Pathfinder. And there are classes like the Stalker. The Stalker is the main one, and that's they have a key pool. So there's another, and it, it's kind of like the monk without the alignment restrictions, because with a monk, you have to be lawful. Now, you could be a lawful evil monk, yes, but the Stalker, it's like, yeah, it, it's monk without the, I always joked around and called it a monk on crack. Gaming on the Frontier does not condone the use of drugs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the the stalker would be another class that could be used that ex, you know that uses key or chi to help them do feats that would be considered superhuman. So yeah, there there's as I said out there for if if you wish to play the again the 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 catch-all term pagan character non-Abrahamic. There's stuff out there, and they've been putting this stuff out now for. This particular game mechanic, now, oh God, yeah, it was 2000. We're over 20 years of material. It's just the, the matter of, of going to your favorite, whatever site or your flags and looking through the used gaming section and find, oh, this is for, you know, you can use this as, you know, you know, pagan, you know, for this pagan classes for OGL. And as I said, with, with the stuff I've amassed over the past 20 years, yeah, again, it's folders upon folders. <laughs> and as always, I mean, if you're, if you're unsure of something, there's always the safety net of make that up yourself. Well, that is good. I mean, that's if you want to make up your own faith, that's fine. But it's like I mentioned these two earlier. Here in the Detroit area where I am, the fandom is strong with, with paganism. And it's oh, no, running. No. It, it, yeah, it's I the mean, term. If you but, want to have that kind of flavor of a of a non-Abrahamic religion, but you're you're unsure, uh, like you're like me. You have no real knowledge of any other religions. Barely have knowledge of your own. Then, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You can yeah. just make up a new religion. Yeah, because as as long as you're not trying to play off the stereotypes of another religion. Oh God, no! Don't yeah. do that. Never. No, 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 no. no. Because then you kind of have at least that safety net of. Well, that's not how it works in, in, in my religion. Well, it isn't your religion. It's, yeah, it's this yeah. Religion. As I said, a good number of people in my gaming group and, heck, my girlfriend, Fur, which you have heard here on four or five episodes of this podcast, she is a practicing witch. I've gotten her books by friend's wife, Laura Tempest-Zakroff. So, yeah, she has, you know, the herbs growing and, you know, has done crystals and all that. and. Uh, her friend Cynthia, well, our friend, because I've known Cynthia also for 21 years. She she is a pagan high priestess, so I me I I have that benefit, and it's like I told one of my new players in my Thursday game, she's pagan as well. I can't turn and spit without hitting somebody pagan in my life, but that's because Detroit has a very high pagan community, and until recently we had the Pagan Pathways Temple, and so that was like our main place for pagans to worship and reflect. And Cynthia worked there for quite some time. 
And so asking them, I mean, if okay, I want to do this type of, you know, non-Abrahamic religion. And because if you talk to a practitioner of said faith, they're going to put their own unique spin on it because I've learned this. Another thing I've had drummed in, and I, I seem to attract pagans. I think it's just because of the high concentration that's in this area in fandom. Everybody does it differently. I mean, even in the Abrahamic faiths, everybody does their faith differently. Yeah, they may all go to the same church, but everybody believes in their own faith in their own way. As I said, I was raised Roman Catholic. And even when I was, you know, I mean, I went to, you know, a Catholic school for first and second grade. So I was there. I mean, I was, and yet other kids in my class probably practice it differently than I did. So yeah, it's just, but if you want to find out and try to run, play and make a pagan character, I mean, obviously, you know, JFGI, just freaking Google it. And I've seen plenty of resources on various pagan faiths and philosophies that you could help shape yours on that you wish to create for this campaign or that campaign that you're doing. But yeah, if you want to, I want to play a Wiccan or I want to play in a Satru warrior priest. Oh, wait a minute. The war priest class, the hybrid class fighter cleric could work too out of the advanced class guide. Yeah, but still. This is Bruce Sheffer saying. There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.